All right, guys. I think we're live. Welcome to the show, Dr. Z. Um, man, <laughs> I've been gone for a week, um, more than a week, uh, and I went on a six-day semi-silent meditation retreat that was hosted by Dr. Angelo DeLulo, who we've done shows with on this subject. And uh, I tell you, um, there's no there's no words for it, really. If you want words for it, email me, hello at zdogmd.com and put meditation in the hashtag or in the subject line, and I will send you something. It is life-changing. And one of, and, and I, you know, that's why I haven't been making videos because it really hasn't felt like there was anything beyond talking about that, which I did with my supporters uh, in live shows for them the last couple of days. It just hasn't felt like anything else really matters that much. <laughs> it's that, I mean, yeah, I don't know where to begin with that. So let's just stick with COVID. But the flavor of that retreat is going to color how I talk about the pandemic from here on out. Because, you know, when I talk about this idea of alt middle, right, what it really means is we don't get so attached to our own views that we either ignore or hate or villainize opposite views. We don't hold anything too tightly except for our own belief that we should question our beliefs whenever new data or interesting points come up. And that means that you also can't take anything too seriously. You can't allow the contagion of fear and social media and the media and the chatter and your family and everybody else that's saying all kinds of crazy stuff about COVID and beyond. You really cannot let that thought storm generate internal strife for you because you're in control of that, believe it or not. So let's talk about some things. Um, everybody's here, that's good. I'm gonna take a peek at your comments as we go. Um, looks like Adam got vaccinated, which is good. So listen, here's, here's how I think about kids, five to 11 and vaccination for COVID. Because this is something that, you know, when I got back from the retreat, there were hundreds of emails in my box and I can't answer them all anymore. It's just too much and I realize, I, so I just kind of try to select the ones where I haven't done a video or something that I can really connect with somebody because, you know, people are so confused. They're so frightened. They're so angry. Like this pandemic has generated so much anger, not the pandemic, the human organism response to the pandemic collectively, whether it's social media, media, all of these things. And so people are so up in their own heads about this. They're overthinking every single step. They're just trapped in thought all the time. And they want help. A lot of them just want somebody to tell them, look, here's the deal. And the difficulty is nobody knows what the deal is. We have incomplete information on pretty much everything. And then you compound that with 
straight up misinformation or disinformation that spreads online from people with various motivations and you end up with a complete inability to make sense of anything. So the emails that I get are, oh my gosh, now kids five to 11, they just EUA uh, approved it for Pfizer's dose at you know a third of the adult dose. Should I get my kid vaccinated? I don't want to, I'm angry, I don't like mandates. I feel like my child is okay, they already had COVID, or they're a boy, I'm worried about myocarditis. And you can just feel energetically how up in our heads we are. So this is kind of how I feel about this. We don't know a whole lot about kids and the vaccine and COVID and all that in the sense that they just don't get that sick often enough that we have huge numbers to look at COVID's effects, right? We know about multi-system inflammatory syndrome of children, the so-called MISC, about you know, 5,200, 5,400 cases, and that can get serious. Um, and that's a post-viral immune response. And you have to remember like a lot of viruses do this, right? So I'm just gonna kind of recap the situation with kids and then tell you how I think about it and how you might wanna look at it from this alt middle, I'm not holding belief too, too closely. I'm trying to be open to what is the best choice for my child, right? Um, so this, there are a lot of viruses that can cause post-viral syndromes this SARS coronavirus 2 is SARS-CoV-2 is unusual in that humans really haven't been exposed to it. So it does some funky stuff that we see a little bit more out of proportion also because it's circulating so widely. So in kids, we can see MISC, we can see COVID in kids. Typically kids who get sick from COVID have comorbidities, whether it's obesity, whether it's immunocompromised status, things like that. So. The vast majority of children do just fine. Now with Delta, which is more contagious, it seems kids can spread Delta more than they spread maybe earlier variants. We think, now again, this is incomplete information. We just, we're, as my friend, Dr. Vinay Prasad says, you know, we could have studied these things, but we didn't. You know, it's a big failure of science. But the science we do have says, okay, yeah, kids can get COVID. They can get very sick, but it's rare. They can get MISC, but it's also rare, but it does happen and they can spread it. Okay, so what about vaccines in kids? Well, we, we saw with vaccines in children 12 and up that young males in particular with the second dose of the Pfizer shot in particular have some risk it's small, but it's real of something called myocarditis or perimyocarditis, inflammation of the heart or the lining around the heart or both. And this can lead to hospitalization actually in a lot of children, actually in a high percentage of kids who get myocarditis, but it is often reversible. In fact, the vast majority of the time it's reversible. Um, and so, but it's a big deal. Like you don't want that, right? So. It does happen in kids 12 and up. In the trial looking at younger kids, 11, five to 11, we don't know what the myocarditis rate is because it was a really small trial. 
in order to see what we think the myocarditis rate is in 12 and up, young boys in particular, maybe in the peak groups, it may be one in 10,000, one in 6,000, one in 20,000. We don't fully know, but somewhere in that ballpark. So you have to do a trial with at least that many people to be able to see it. And the trial was like, you know, 2,200 or 2,400 and only 1,500 or so, half of them were in the in the non-placebo group, in the group that got vaccine. So you're not gonna see that. So you have to understand first off that we don't, have all the information we'd ideally love to have about kids' vaccine and COVID. So, but we can imagine that we can extrapolate somewhat and we can um, understand that in the trials, the vaccine was effective at preventing disease and infection, I should say. And it seemed relatively, you know, from the data that you have. You know, kids aren't dropping dead. They're not having weird autoimmune syndrome. They're not getting MISC from the vaccine. They're not getting antibody dependent enhancement and all these other things that people speculate. So that's good. So we're in a situation now where you have a relatively low risk population, kids, that we have to understand that when you look at the risks of vaccine, say myocarditis, you also have to look at the risk of COVID, which is COVID also increases myocarditis risk by something like 16 fold. So there's no risk-free choice when you're talking about your kids. Even if they've had COVID before, they could theoretically be reinfected and get MISC or myocarditis or something worse from COVID. So there's no risk-free choice. So knowing that that's the case, you then have to sit back and say, okay, what's the situation here? There are mandates or no mandates for kids. All right, let's say there's no mandate for kids. You have a pretty free slate to decide what risk you would like to take for your child. Are they a boy, a little higher risk of myocarditis? Are they not? Is COVID very prevalent in your community? Are they in school actively, in a school that, you know, um, maybe there's a high circulating prevalence? Are you planning to travel? Is there social pressure? Like I've had a lot of parents say, my kid feels like they really wanna be vaccinated because all their friends are vaccinated and there's pressure at school and so on. So listen, I'm not saying any of this is right. I'm saying th these are the things you consider when you're thinking about vaccinating your kid. Notice I have yet to give you a black and white answer for this, right? That's because there isn't one, which by the way, is why I don't really like mandates. It's very unzen, a mandate. You know, Adyashanti ends all his meditations with these three things. May all beings be happy. May all beings be at peace. May all beings be free. I like that last one a lot, especially, right? We should be free to make educated choices and uneducated choices if they don't harm others we're not directly harming others. And in this case with kids, you could say that the more you vaccinate them, the, the, you can protect the community, you can protect elders, but the truth is elders ought to be vaccinated. The community of adults ought to be vaccinated if they're worried about it. And they can get boosters and all that, which we'll talk about. So it really becomes a nuanced decision. So you have to then ask yourself, okay, there's no mandate. Do I wanna get the kid vaccinated? Do I, which risk would I like to take, all right? And then let's throw in a mandate. Now there's a mandate. 
Now, this mandate has pissed you off, say, because you have a certain moral um, set of taste buds that does not like being told what to do, especially when it comes to your child, and especially when it comes to something you're nervous about, injecting them with a vaccine that you don't fully trust because you haven't made sense of the information that's online. Okay, that makes perfect sense. You're being entirely human and rational. But the question then is, what are you going to do about it? So you can stew in your own juices, you can get angry, you can shout online, you can leave comments, you can send angry emails, you can do all those things. It's not gonna change a damn thing except generate suffering for you and people around you. So in this present moment, which is all there is, you need to make a decision, which is do I pull my child out of school to protest the mandate? Do I go to Capitol Hill or my state legislature or PTA board or whatever it is to protest the mandate? Do I get politically involved to try to change policy? Or do I say, okay, there's a mandate, I hate it, but on balance I've decided that, okay, these are elected officials for the most part, I'm generally law obeying. I don't wanna pull my kid out of school because they're in a public school and that's where they need to be and whatever it is. So at this point, you have to decide then, okay, well then I have to go ahead and do the vaccine. And the, the decision really clicks. It clicks into place for you one way or the other. Or you say, no, I really feel strongly about this. I'm gonna take my child out of school or I'm gonna go protest, or I'm gonna do whatever it is. Fine, make your decision and go with it. What, and do it now. Stop overthinking it, stop generating suffering in thought, stop living in your mind, stop projecting, stop blaming others. If you feel strongly one way or the other, feel into it right now and go do it. That's it. That's it. Now, I'll, I'll tell you my decision for my 10 year old, because I told you I would. You know, I have, looking at this incomplete data, the oldest 113 is vaccinated, the rest of us are vaccinated. Obviously I have a bias towards the vaccines because I've been promoting them to you guys because I believe the data on the vaccines is a risk that absolutely for me and my family is superior to the risk of natural COVID. We have not been infected that we know of. So. I have that bias, right? But I also have a bias like, may all beings be happy, may all beings be at peace, may all beings be free. And so I've loudly said, I don't believe in mandates, I don't like them, et cetera. So what will I do for my 10 year old? Well, I think news governor, Comrade Newsom here <laughs> in California has a mandate, but I'm not sure. Honestly, I haven't even looked into it because the mandate doesn't affect my calculus because I'm gonna make the calculus based on what I think is the risk I wanna take for my child, not whether or not I'm pissed off about a mandate. So that's me. So for my 10 year old, who's a girl, low risk of myocarditis, even if she were a boy, I would kind of weigh maybe even just giving one dose because it's usually the second dose where the myocarditis happens, which really argues that it's an immune response because you prime with the first dose and the second dose gives you a more robust immune response. It's not necessarily this idea that's been circulating that, oh, it's somehow getting injected in a vein and causing myocarditis that way. You know, then you would see equal 
opportunity with both first and second dose. And we don't see that. So for my 10 year old, we're gonna get her vaccinated because a lot of kids in her school are vaccinated. She's not had COVID. She doesn't like getting sick. If she gets side effects from the vaccine at one third the dose, they're gonna be transient 24 hours as opposed to COVID, which could last who knows how long. Um, and we do have an element of our fabric that is communitarian. We do wanna do the right thing for the broader community. And she's gonna interact with my parents and my wife's parents who are elderly and vaccinated, but, and boosted, but there's always that small chance of vaccine breakthrough. And we don't want our child to be the vector of that. So that's our decision. Your decision may be completely different. But what I want you to do is make the decision based on the information that you have, and some of which I've given here, and make it and just, and stop talking about it, worrying about it, unless your decision is to go and protest or change policy. Because say whatever you will, the guy in office is in office, was elected. So if you wanna change that, you vote in the next election, right? These, these are the things. We have a kind of a, a covenant in the country that we obey the laws that are there. So if the laws are there, then we have to decide how we're gonna make our decisions based on the laws. So if there's a federal mandate, which I disagree with strongly, what are you going to do? Well, you can quit your job or you can go to your job and get the vaccine, right? Unless you have some legitimate medical exemption or legitimate religious exemption, whatever that is. So. That's kind of how I think about kids. Like there's no solid answer here. People ask me, can you show me sources and data and this and that? And it's like, look, I wish I could say I had 300 sources for kids. You know, just like masking kids. Like Vinay talks about this all the time. We, we talk about it. You know, is it a risk mitigator? We don't know. And the data that's out there and people have sent me this data and that data, it's not high quality data. So we don't know the answer to whether masking kids makes a dent in the pandemic and whether it causes harm, we don't know. And we should be able to talk about these things rationally, right? From a place of not holding to any one belief too strongly because the chances are whatever beliefs you hold, they're at least partially wrong. They're partially right and partially wrong. That's just a fact, you know? There's very few beliefs. That's something that we really felt into during this retreat. It's kind of like you question everything. You question your identity. Am I this? If you're questioning your fundamental identity and finding that, oh, that's not necessarily true. Well, what else can you question, right? You should question everything. And that's why I think it's important that people question vaccine safety, but they also don't vilify anyone who holds opposing views because remember that solidity of the view itself is something you should question. What is it that really makes me want to believe this view, right? What is it in my personality, et cetera? Um, Turd Ferguson sent a super chat, says, go watch Dr. John Campbell's new video on ivermectin at similarities with Pfizer's new pill. Okay, so listen, I've watched a lot of John Campbell. Actually, not a lot, because he's really aimed at more the lay uh, public. Um, he has his own biases, as do we all. And I'll leave it at that. So, and sometimes I'll watch and say, you know, I disagree with this interpretation of the literature. I think he's not really looked at this critically. And then sometimes I watch what he says and I go, oh, that's great. 
That's really, people aren't talking about that. That's great. So that's how you ought to look at everyone online, including me, right? You ought to disagree with me as much as you agree with me, but try not to vilify me. Try not to say I'm some evil person because you, this assumption of bad intent is really not good news. Now, speaking of ivermectin and pills, that was something I wanted to talk about, which is um, we now have, you know, we're gonna soon have molnupiravir, the Merck pill. Pfizer's got a pill. Fluvoxamine, Luvox. I'm in touch with Angela Rearson, who's one of the principal investigators um, in the randomized control trial done in Brazil. Uh, she's out of uh, Saint, uh, you know, Washington University, St. Louis. Uh, really, pretty compelling placebo-controlled trial showing a significant reduction in hospitalizations when you give fluvoxamine, which is an SSRI. It's an antidepressant, often used for OCD. Um, in fact, in the '90s, when I when I did my psychiatry rotation, we were using uh, fluvoxamine for a patient we had with severe OCD, uh, but it's also an antidepressant. And it's felt to work through an anti-inflammatory mechanism, but we don't really know, but there is some biological plausibility for why it would work. And unlike ivermectin and unlike hydroxychloroquine, when studied um, in a randomized control trial that was well done, uh, it shows benefit. It's relatively cheap drug. Um, you can give it internationally. That's exciting. That's great science. Um, as far as I can tell now, I haven't dug deep into the data set of the paper. Um, and so it's, it's something that uh, we can look at, but the truth is now we have some therapeutics that are happening. We already have monoclonal antibodies. We have dexamethasone inpatient, but we really wanna keep people out of the hospital because once they're in the hospital, it's a problem, right? So that being said, I think we, we really need to stop with the intense anxiety and fear that we're allowing ourselves to feel. That's often an epiphenomenon of the media and social media and our general alienation and disconnection from what it is we really are, which are human beings that wanna connect with other human beings and feel love and connection. And instead of being able to do that in person during much of the pandemic, when everything was either shut down or there's distancing or there's masking or there's whatever, what I learned at this meditation retreat, I didn't learn it, it was like already known, just I was reminded, is that humans when unmasked, when put together, when allowed to be silent, when allowed to connect on a level that is much deeper than the superficial chatter that, we, that, that our egos shout at each other, when allowed to do that, you cannot help but feel connection, love, purpose, joy, everything with humans, and this is what we are. And what's happened instead is we've taken a response to a pandemic that's isolated us, that's closed schools, that's alienated us further, that's put us at home doing remote work. And look, a lot of stuff can be done remote. I like it too, but we're not connecting. And so what have we substituted? Social media, which promised human connection and instead delivers poison, abject poison. How do I know this? Because when I detoxified from my relationship with social media, I make a living on social media. I was off the grid fully 
for those six, seven days. It's indescribable what a relief it was. I almost deleted all my accounts knowing that I would be done. Because when I experienced real human connection at this event, at this meditation retreat, I realized it's all we need, all we need, all we need is the present moment radiating aliveness and connection with other beings, that's all we need. And what social media gives us is fear of missing out. It gives us addiction. It hacks our most primitive emotional drives to hate other people, hate them. To have the default reaction be anger and outrage. And now Facebook wants to call itself meta and create a universe of this. Think about that, guys. Really feel into that. Is that a good idea? And yet here I am. I had to do a lot of soul searching on this thing. One of the things I realized is if we're gonna increase connection and reduce suffering in the world, right now the only way to do it is with these platforms. But the goal is you, if we don't change how social media, media works, the way it's incentivized, we're, we're doomed as a species, really. We really are. I, and that's not hyperbole. Like feel it, feel into it. I got rid of social media for a week. I was radiating love and joy when I came back. I did a video for my supporters. I still am, I still am. Yeah, some of that's the, the meditation and the presence and the connection with 30 other people, many of whom were in our supporter group and the just deep connection that you feel. But some of it was like, oh my gosh, you don't realize how trapped in mind and, and, and addicted we are to these devices. My neck pain got better, even though I was sitting for like six hours a day in meditation in perfect stillness, 30 minutes at a time with 10 minute walking breaks and 30 minutes again, all day in silence with 30 other silent people. And it was the best thing. I wanted another 30 days of it. And you would think, oh, that's gonna hurt your neck because meditation at home seems to hurt my neck. No, it's not, it's this, it's this. It's, it's this. Ah, oh. it's poisonous, you guys. It, re it really is poisonous. All right, um, let's look at some comments. You somehow have to clickbait them long enough to keep them listening, says Double Trouble. That's the social media game. I'm really good at playing it. We have two and a half million followers on Facebook, half a million on YouTube, half a million on Instagram. I'm really good at playing that game. And I'm ready to be like game over. But then how, how would we do this, right? If you have an answer, let me know. Um, 
Shane Bentley says, hey, thank you for all your rational thinking and discourse, Dr. Z. We may have a few disagreements. Thank you. I love it when people say that. But you're dadgum right about not making one a villain. You're welcome for the dadgum. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, it Look, it's really not that hard when you when you really understand that everyone's trying to be good for the most part, they really are. Um, let, let's, let's talk about boosters, actually. Let's talk about boosters because boosters are another thing where it's like people get really riled up, you know? Should I get a booster? I'm 25, and, but I'm in healthcare or whatever. It, you know, you just have to decide how you feel about risk how you feel about coronavirus. Have you had coronavirus before? Feel into it. We have imperfect data, but we do think that a booster would probably reduce your risk of reinfection or infection, but may not be super boosty for preventing severe disease unless you're in a high-risk group like the elderly, the immunocompromised, people with a bunch of comorbidities. So that's it. It's really not that complicated, but our minds can make it very complicated. And the truth is, if we did absolutely nothing, whoo, somebody's up there is doing some remodeling. If we did absolutely nothing, you know, life would go on. Life would continue. Yeah, there would be some suffering. There would be some death for sure. So we try to optimize to reduce suffering. But that means we got to look inside and go, are we generating our own suffering by over-worrying, overthinking, letting the media contagion infect us, letting the social media polarize us, putting family members against family members, friends against friends. How many people have unfriended somebody who you've known all your life because of some dipshit thing they said on social media about the pandemic that triggered you? I wouldn't raise my hand because I don't use social media personally. <laughs> I don't, I don't use it. I don't use Facebook. I use YouTube to consume videos because I love it. I don't use Twitter to get news because the news is garbage on Twitter. Like it, it's, all, it's all spun through a filter of political ideology or whatever, unless you find the right people to follow. And I haven't bothered to do that because I'm getting off my damn devices as much as I can. You know, that, that's, that's the best I can say. And, and you know, I, I'm coming off as a little somber today because I've had some time to kind of reflect on this and there's an urgency to this. Like, I think it's important. Um, all right, let's answer some of your questions because that's what we're really here for. Stephanie Esposito, thank you for being a member of the Supporter Tribe, Stephanie. Hey Z, do you think the vaccine will eventually be like the pneumonia vaccine recommended for 65 plus as oral therapeutics are becoming more available? I think that's definitely possible. I, I'll tell you what I think though is really gonna happen. And I, I can definitely be wrong because when I try to predict the future, half the time I'm wrong or, or higher, right? It's a coin toss, but I'll tell you my rationale for this prediction. So I think that, and, and there's some evidence for this in the sense of previous coronaviruses that cause common colds and even SARS, the OG SARS. If you look at like Sira from OG SARS, they have kind of some broad, there's some data recently uh, came out. There's some broad coronavirus protection in general. So this is what I think is happening. We are going to have Delta or whatever Delta plus, whatever variant comes after Delta, it's gotta be more successful than Delta, which is hard to do. Um, 
it's going to infect pretty much everybody except for people who have pre-existing immunity who've been infected before, for the most part, and there's always breakthroughs, and people who've been vaccinated for the most part, although there's always you know, uh, breakthrough infections. As that goes through the population, you're gonna get a level of immunity that prevents severe disease, but not reinfection, because this is a respiratory pathogen, and it's clear that you can be reinfected, even if you're naturally infected, and even if you're vaccinated. That's just the nature of this coronavirus. That's why we get colds every year, and they can be the same coronavirus, but we don't die. You, you, you're no longer naive to this pathogen, so you don't get the crazy immune response that you get that can put you into cytokine storm and ARDS and ventilator and all that, unless you're very old, where you know a, a common cold can kill an old person, right? Because their immune system is not there. So this is what I think will happen. We'll vaccinate a bunch of people, and a bunch of people will get naturally infected, Little kids, mercifully, do not die typically, typically of coronavirus infection. So this is what will happen. You'll start to generate waves of broad immunity. Then as time goes on, you're gonna see you know, severe cases peter off as there's this big community immunity, but infections will continue and we'll stop caring because the infections are not fatal year after year after year. We're getting better and better and better. Maybe months, not years, right? Especially when you throw in, you have therapeutics that will keep people from dying and you have vaccination, which speeds up this process exponentially. Then what will happen is you can start to say, okay, do we really need to vaccinate every young child? Because almost all children after being born, we'll get in, infected with coronavirus because it's circulating every, every winter and they don't die. They get naturally infected and they have some immunity in breast milk from their mother. <clears throat> so there's, they're not immunolo immunologically naive to this. And so they do okay. They get a cold like kids always get colds and they generate immunity. And every year they get reinfected or every other year they get reinfected or re-exposed and it boosts their immunity so that they don't get severe disease. And by that point, you have old people who've been vaccinated who may get a booster, right? You have young people who are naturally infected through all their lives and never need a vaccine. And you give it one couple of generations through and you don't even need the vaccine. See how that might work? That's how you make a pandemic endemic. Um, so great question, Stephanie. Um, A long story short says, hey, but are you leaving out the equation of long-term side effects? Those are unknown. Dr. Malone, inventor of mRNA tech said they may be long-term effect. Okay, let's talk about this. This is important. All right. First of all, Robert Malone wrote one of the first papers on using mRNA technology. So yes, he did do that. A very smart guy. He is deeply biased. Talk about views. The first time I heard him talk, I'm like, because I'm sympathetic to his ideas. I'm like, oh, the guy was one of the founders of the technology, you better listen to him, right? And the minute I heard him, I'm like, this guy is fixated on these beliefs that don't have evidence, like their belief. So I thought, this is strange, because I'm very sensitive to that. And I, I said, huh, this is strange. And then I read more about his history and it's kind of like, he's really pissed that he's not gotten the credit he feels he deserves for, the, this technology. And there's other stuff involved in that. And so he groups up with the ivermectin guys and kind of goes on this thing. 
Now, the proposals that he has about why these things can cause long-term effects, like antibody-dependent enhancement, which we've done a video on, um, immunological naivety, the, the so-called original antigenic sin and things like this, there is no evidence in the real world that any of this is happening. That's very important. Hundreds of millions of doses, all right? Now, when we talk about long-term effects, yes, you're right. You're right. We have no idea what long-term effects would be there, except that we do have an idea. And the idea is based on every single other vaccine that's ever been developed. Any effects that are associated with that vaccine have always presented within the first two months of vaccine administration. So there's never been a confirmed long-term effect of a vaccine that's not first shown up in the first two months. And that's just the nature of how vaccines work. You know, they're really short-lived entities. So all that being said, the chances of long-term effects from this being real are infinitesimally small. They're not zero, but they're very small. But humans don't deal with uncertainty well. But they also don't, they don't recognize their own cognitive dissonance sometimes because what's the uncertainty of COVID infection? Much less. There's more certainty that you could get very sick, get myocarditis, get blood clots, have neurologic problems, have long COVID, these kind of things. There's more certainty of that than any trace uncertainty about long-term effects of vaccine. So again, there is no risk-free path. So you have to decide which risk are you comfortable with? And this is where may all beings be happy, may all beings be at peace, may all beings be free. If you're quiet and still with your own mind and you listen in, you'll come up with an answer for you and you should have the freedom to make that choice if it doesn't impinge on the happiness, peace, or freedom of others. And I think with this vaccine, for the most part, your decision is not gonna impinge on others for the most part. Remember now, most of the people who are dying and are in hospital are unvaccinated, right? Now, as we get more vaccinated people, that equation is gonna shift just by the sheer numbers of it. People in hospitals will be vaccinated because most people will be vaccinated or naturally immune. Um, that's just the nature of the number. So you're gonna see that. And I do think immunity, immunity wanes with the vaccine and it probably wanes with natural infection. The difference between vaccine and natural infection, we don't know fully, but we can guess or look at some data and say, you know, the natural infection, um, immunity can be more robust than vaccines according to some Israeli data, but it can also be uneven. If you had a mild infection, if you had a serious infection, what was your viral load, those kind of things make it a little unpredictable. Whereas with vaccine, at least you're getting a standard dose that's been studied. So that's something to think about when you're deciding, okay, I've been naturally infected. Do I wanna also get a vaccine or not? And so on. Now, one, one thing I do wanna say is there are people who are deadly afraid of um, uh, needles. And we do have to address that. These are crippling phobias for some people, right? So there are ways to talk about needle fear. There are ways to address it. There are ways to alleviate it, right? So that's something that we have to put on the radar. These are human beings we're talking about, right? Yeah, 
you know, I, I was just gonna say something about compassion that I really felt deeply at this retreat. And it is really like, when you see another person, you think they're this other, you know, that you can't understand them and they're separate from you. And it becomes intuitively clear that's not true. That's a delusion. And when you see through that delusion, it's very, very hard to hold any belief so strongly, including that belief. It's not a belief, it's an experience. You, can't, you, can, be, you can believe that uh, we're all the same and whatever. That's a belief, that's the mind telling you stories. When you experience it, experience that. Um, it'll cut through a lot of delusion and, and, you, and you'll say, you know, it's really hard. Like you, you could leave any comment you want right now and it is not gonna phase me. <laughs> it really isn't. It really isn't. Um, Clara Dunn says, I'm afraid of chemicals, not needles. That's a valid point of view. What I would ask is that you feel into, okay, so we're surrounded by chemicals. Um, we're surrounded by environmental chemicals. We're surrounded by natural chemicals. Um, the virus itself is made of chemicals, you know, ribonucleic acid and different chemicals like that. So the question is again, one of risk. We have a certain sense about chemicals, but the question then is, okay, so am I willing to take that sense of like a chemical injected into me that's designed by scientists versus getting infected by a virus that we don't know where it came from, right? Was it designed by scientists? Maybe. Did it come out of a bat? Maybe. Both are equally gross to me, but that's my sensibility of sanctity versus degradation with the body. So I, my uh, uh, um, view on this from where I sit, I'll take the scientist who's gonna take the vaccine himself. I'll take that formulation over the natural infection for me. That's how I, how lo I look at it. Um, but you may look at it differently and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. And Clara says, yeah, I'm, I'm a long hauler and sensitive to many things, yeah. By the way, I think with the mind-body connection, it's not a connection, <laughs> it's just body-mind, it's one thing. And I'll tell you after this retreat, listen, okay, let's talk real for a second. I'm the most skeptical person on the planet when it comes to certain things like, mind-body connection, you know, awareness, like this kind of stuff that the new age people talk about and you're just like, shut up, dude, <laughs> just come on. And I've been pretty vocal about this stuff in the past, you know, over the years, this kind of pseudoscience and all this. Um, after doing six days of pretty much semi-silent retreat with other humans, I've directly experienced things that I'll tell you are convincing that the mind and the body and all of this is just one thing. It's one continuum. So long haul COVID sensitivities, uh, chronic pain, all of these things are biopsychosocial. They have biological components, they have psychological components, and they have social components. It's all a tapestry, it's all a web. And the alt middle view, which is not a view, it's a meta view about views. <laughs> it, it's saying yes and to all those things. Everything is true but partial. Don't hold 
any one of them too tightly. Be able to see the forest for the trees whenever you can and get help when you can't and be open, as open as you can be. Um, Brika, Brika 342 says, I'm terrified they'll start mandating the COVID um, cootie shot for my two-year-old. I'm nowhere near an anti-vaxxer. What are possible long-term effects on development? We don't know because it's not been studied in two-year-olds. And to be honest, um, I don't think it's necessary. Why, why would you want, why? They're gonna get naturally infected and be fine. I, you know, I would like to, I just, per, then this is me, this is my view on this. It's a, it's a view that I'm holding right now. I think it's, it's just irrelevant. And your concern about they will start mandating this, that is not an invalid concern because there is a sense that like, okay, you do this and then let's do this and then let's do this. And that's how it feels to people too. May all beings be happy. May all beings be at peace. May all beings be free. The freedom part, mm, I, it just, if you're not hurting other people, to be mandated to do something to your two-year-old that is not necessarily gonna benefit them that much, it's tough. It's a tough sell for me. And I, I'm willing to listen to viewpoints and I have listened to viewpoints. I have good friends who hold the view, viewpoints that know it's a good idea. Okay, cool, let's talk. But, you know. Um, Chris says, do you think a healthy, just five-year-old living with immunocompromised vaccinated grandma in the same house should get the new Pfizer kids vaccine? Okay, let's really feel into that one. Healthy five-year-old, immunocompromised grandma, live in the same house. This is how I would see that. You may see it differently. Vaccine's been approved, seems to be safe and effective to the extent that it's been studied. The risk to the child of COVID are minuscule. The risk to the child of the vaccine are also minuscule. The risk to the immunocompromised elder off of transmission of COVID from that child is not minuscule. It's actually real, even if they're vaccinated because they're immunocompromised. So for me, that would tip the balance and say, yeah, I'll go ahead and get that five-year-old vaccinated because it has an effect outside of the child itself. And I'm comfortable with the risk to the child, which is small, very small. That, that's how I would do that math. You may do it differently. Um, Lab, Geek, Lab Geek, who's a supporter says, freedom isn't free. We have to allow openness. We have to think of others. Yes. Yes, don't censor speech, but do think of others. Like your freedom comes with responsibilities. And, and that's something that, you know, Paul Offit has argued that he, he doesn't like the libertarian, he actually, he, it seems he respects the libertarian approach on vaccine mandates, but says, you know, it's not, it's not free because if you can harm others. Now, this is where you can quibble and say, but is this harming others to not get vaccinated? And you can make arguments both ways on that. Oh, thank you, Claire, for your super chat. $10 without a question and a cool little Zen, little Zen guy. I love it. Um, people feel strongly about mandates. I mean, I'm looking in the comments. It, it, it really is a trigger. Now, this is another thing I wanna say. You can feel strongly. That's great. That's great. Don't let it wreck your mind. We generate our own suffering. Like just feel it, understand it, let it go. 
if there's nothing you can do, if you can do something, you'll know right now, this is what I'm gonna do and do it. Now, this idea of like we keep projecting into the future and like ruminating on the past, that's a source of human suffering. Animals don't do that. My cat is empty of self, <laughs> is empty of future and past, lives entirely now, is spontaneous, is alive. When I came back from the retreat and I put my hand on the cat, I knew this intuitively. I was like, oh, this cat is woke. If only it were that easy. Um, so Z-Dog, does exposure to the virus while vaccinated and not getting infected keep your antibody levels high, Kevin Cortez? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know the answer because I don't think it's ever been directly studied. Theoretically, the answer is yes, because you're exposed to the, now it depends. If you have all this mucosal immunity and you're not um, getting any virus replicating and you just never really get replication and exposure to the um, you know, uh, immune system in the sense that the, the blood-based immune system, maybe not. But if you, um, if you do and you just don't get any symptoms and you don't have any clear infection that you can measure because you're not measuring, I bet you do. It's like a natural booster, which is what is gonna happen when this thing becomes endemic. People will just get infected. They won't even know it. A lot of them won't even know it and they'll just generate huge amounts of generalized immunity and the thing will become like a cold, like the other coronaviruses probably have. Linnell Story says, hey, please give a shout out to pharmacists. We're working um, the vaccine and therapeutic side every single day. And Chris Palmer, also thank you for your super chat. Listen, pharmacists gave me my flu shot this year. They do it every year. Um, you guys are absolute frontline heroes. You get treated like shit by, you know, come visit Satan, CVS, Walgreens, these big retail box entities. You get treated like garbage, like a commodity. I had a Walgreens pharmacist on the show who got fired for doing stand-up comedy on his free time from Walgreens. It's disgraceful. Um, you guys have a hashtag going around, uh, hashtag pizza is not working. Like giving us pizza is not the answer, right? You need the tools, the resources, and the autonomy to do what you've trained postgraduate four years to do. Full stop. And if you search pharmacist on my website, zdogmd.com, you'll see the videos we've done about this with pharmacists. Um, it's powerful shit. Um, Jay Bell says, human beings are not cats. We aren't because we have something that the cat doesn't have, which is reflective, discursive thought. Thought that reflects the five senses or another thought in a house of mirrors. We can use that thought to do amazing things, like take over the entire planet, because other animals don't do that. They cannot collaborate flexibly with other uh, organisms within their species like we do. Bees, they can act collectively, but they're inflexible. Humans are flexible. You can meet total strangers and come up with a plan because we have speech and we have thought and those kind of things. But humans are unique in their ability to suffer, I think, because we, the fundamental delusion of the human species is that we're separate and that we're, we are our thoughts and our beliefs and our mind and we're not. We're absolutely not that. Um, Lori, 
who's a super PAC member, says, flu vaccines are seasonal and best given each fall, the third dose booster for COVID. What's your sense of timing if first and second dose was in February? I think now's a good time if you're at risk, Lori, for a booster. They say, you know, six to eight months afterwards. I think that's fair. It just depends on what your own risk tolerance is and what, you know, th- this is another thing is like, you know, these, these symptoms from the vaccine, they're not a joke for a lot of people. We really poo-poo them like, oh, suck it up. It's, it can be debilitating for 24 hours. So you have to plan that into your thing, right? And when I got that second Moderna shot, I was like, wow, I've never had a vaccine do this, right? Shingrix can do this actually from what I hear. I haven't gotten that because I'm not in the age group yet, the shingles vaccine, but it's intense. And I had Moderna, which has kind of stronger side effects, but also <laughs> better efficacy. Eh, see how those are related? It's Those are immune effects, right? So headache and muscle aches and fevers and chills and insomnia and uh, just feeling foggy, um, all of that, you know? Yeah, went away with Tylenol after 30 hours and I was like nothing had happened. So we have to, but we do have to factor that stuff in when we're talking about it, when we're, you know, we have to be honest with people, go, yeah, this is, this is likely to happen. Um, welcome Alicia Hassinger to the Super Pack. You've become a subscribing supporter. Um, let's see. This person anonymous keeps writing in all caps, coercion is not consent. Forcing, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna acknowledge your comment. Forcing a medical intervention against someone's will constitutes assault. Okay, it can definitely feel like that. It can definitely feel like that. So your your view on this, you're describing how you feel about this is completely acknowledged and validated. Now, the only thing I would say to that to try to get you to maybe vibrate with the possibility that there's some nuance to it is we do mandate things. We mandate vaccines for children. Um, and I think that's been a social good for many decades. We've pretty much eradicated a lot of these childhood diseases from our common vernacular because of vaccine mandates. In the early days, you didn't need a mandate because people were so scared of the diseases because they were circulating. Now you do because the, the diseases haven't reminded us, right? They'll come back if we stop. So it is this tension between autonomy, bodily autonomy and community. Where does COVID vaccine fall on that? That's the question that you're bringing up. That's the question you're bringing up. Um, And it's a valid question. George Ural says, 36 year old man, fully vaxxed in February with Moderna, got my ass kicked on both doses, but desperately wanna get booster to protect my unvaccinated kiddos. Worried about myocarditis thoughts. Okay, so you're 36 and had a aggressive response to the vaccine. Don't want your unvaccinated kids to get sick. Okay, should you aspirate the needle is another thing you're asking. So, listen, I don't, I don't, I really don't think that um, it's a venous injection that causes myocarditis because myocarditis happens typically after the second dose and it is likely an immune phenomenon, not an injection of mRNA into the bloodstream, which has been proposed in a mouse study. Um, this, this was one quibble I had with John Campbell. He reviewed that mouse study and said, here it is, it's incontrovertible. It's right here in the, in the abstract. It says it right here. It's like, John, 
This is a mouse study. Um, and there's other quibbles you can look at that paper, but you have to look at this stuff critically and look at what your own bias is. Now, actually, when I saw John's original video on this, I said, oh, this is something we ought to ask. And so I connected with Paul Offit. I asked a bunch of people and I was increasingly convinced that this is not the cause of myocarditis. Now, I could be completely wrong, right? But, you know, we haven't aspirated on needles in a long time in the US for vaccines. Um, and there are probably places where they do aspirate. And then you can go in and see, okay, what's their myocarditis rate? That's a study we ought to do. Um, now, to back to your question, you're 36. You're pretty protected with those two doses, man. Um, your, your kids are relatively safe to begin with. Uh, so it's really a question of like, how much do you wanna suffer through a booster in terms of the symptoms? Your risk of myocarditis is gonna be really small because you're older, you're out of the, you know, up to 30 year old male range. Um, and the booster Moderna dose is a half dose, but you could also get, you can mix, you could just get a Pfizer um, booster. Pfizer a little less intense. So that's a possibility. So that's how you can think about it. There's no right answer. You could do nothing, you could do everything. It just depends on what your own risk tolerance is. Um, Benson Matthew says, hey, will the COVID pandemic affect how people decide to take any vaccine in the future? Do you think we'll be better prepared for the next pandemic? I think it's, I think the response to COVID has damaged trust in all our authorities, the CDC. It's damaged our trust in vaccines. I hope not irreparably. It's damaged our ability to make sense. So you can go on Rumble and find a video that says anything you want. You can go on YouTube and find censorship of that same video that now went to Rumble. Um, it's, it's a total disaster for sense making. So I'm terrified about the next pandemic if I cared about the future. If, if I lived in the future and thought, I would be terrified about the next pandemic because whatever we do, it's just gonna, be. and the truth is we have a lot of alt-middling to do. We really do. I'll be honest, like if, 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 if every human were able to go on, on some kind of spiritual growth, I don't care what it is. I happened to do a meditation retreat and it was transformative. And I've done other things, but th this was transformative. Like it's very hard. It's very hard to not see a little truth in everything and understand our role in all this and hold our beliefs lightly but also feel deeply, feel deeply your emotions and for others and be extremely present with the only thing that really is happening, which is the now. <laughs> it I'll tell you, all this shit sounds like a cliche until it isn't. You know, like when you say everything is love, that's a cliche until it's not, experientially, until it's not. And people who've had this experience know exactly what I'm talking about. Let's look over here. See what's up. Joe Kalemeyer says, have you seen the new ivermectin study? I have not. If I'm being totally honest, I'm so bored of ivermectin, I don't even, I just, 
I'm so triggered by it. Like that's my emotional response, but my alt middle mind says, okay, now what's this ivermectin study? Let me know about it, right? Because I'm gonna look at it. So that's my answer. Sue Mosley, was it a Vipassana meditation retreat? Now it was run by Dr. Angelo DeLulo, who we've done a series uh, of episodes on awakening. It's really, his style of meditation is, it's a, it's a, in the Zen lineage, but it's, um, it's a kind of natural meditation where it's a mix of inquiry, who am I? What is this? You know? You know, you can try, you can try the simple inquiry with me. Become, you know, quiet your mind as much as you can and just look in your mind and say, okay, there are things in our mind that we can let go of. We can let go of a sensation. We can move our attention to something else. We can have a thought and let go of it. We can um, have a memory and that's a thought and let go of it. We can feel a belief. We can let go of it. We can feel a raw emotion and it passes. Everything seems impermanent except for one thing. What is it in your immediate experience right now that you cannot let go of? That you have always had, that's always there, that you can't turn off, that infuses everything in your mind and you can't drop it. What is that? Look for that. And I'll give you a hint. It's what's looking for that. I'm trying not, I'm gonna try not get weird with you. Um, beyond that, Jack Sell. I only do that with supporters because we're a cult. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jack Sell, teenage boys are more at risk from myocarditis than COVID. Six X more likely to suffer from heart problems um, from the vaccine than be hospitalized from COVID. So Jack's, those calculations are difficult to do and they depend on the circulating rate of coronavirus in your community, whether they've been previously infected. So there's a lot of variables. Um, so I don't know that there's a clear answer on that. If there were, believe me, I'd be shouting about it, but we don't know. Um, <clears throat> Rhonda W., what do you do when a parent sends you a video from a blood doctor claiming nanobots in the vaccine vials? I think my mom is falling into the conspiracy hole. So this is tough. People are desperate for connection and meaning. They're desperate for validation. If they're ideologically opposed to things like mandates, which, hey, I am too. Um, that's like a belief that I try to hold loosely, but it is a fundamental core value of mine is like freedom when it's not hurting others. Freedom and compassion together. I'll say it again, may all beings be happy. May all beings be at peace. May all beings be free. Happy and at peace is compassion. It's love in the face of suffering. It's reducing suffering. May all beings be free is saying they should be free to do that. Freedom is, is exactly essential to what it means to be a human. So. They're looking for validation and they'll find it online somewhere. All you can do when someone sends you something like that is acknowledge what's here for them. Feel into what that is and say, okay, you can respond and say, man, I, I completely 
feel what you're saying about feeling controlled by, you know, outside forces that are trying to do you harm. Like it sure feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? That's all you have to say. And you've aligned with them. And then later you can have more nuanced discussion and say, yeah, you know, it is interesting though, because you wanna look at the kind of motivation of people who are saying these things. Like you always wanna question what are their motivations too, because everyone has a spin, right? So maybe that person's trying to sell something or trying to create a social media platform based on denying vaccines or whatever it is, or maybe they just have this firm belief and it is one belief among a sea of belief. And so it's gotta be tested with actual, the scientific method. So there's that. Um, let's look over here. How long have we been going guys? A while, not a while, I can't tell. Is there anything here? Oh, an hour. Okay, yeah, we should probably wrap it up. Um, Brian M says, uh, are there non-medical, hopefully less political things we can do as COVID becomes endemic, like buying a better indoor ventilation? You know, washing your hands, um, staying healthy. So here's the most important, forget indoor ventilation, forget all that. Stop eating crap. Stop sitting all day. If your job stresses you out and you're miserable and you're purposeless, quit your job. I have clients, like these big health systems coming to me, hey, we'd like you to do a talk uh, for our audience because we're losing all these staff. We want you to inspire them and get them more resilient so that they can not quit. And I tell them, yeah, I'm gonna tell them to quit. If, 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 you don't, if you're not respecting them, if they're not living their story, if they're authentically disconnected from their work, if they're looking inside and going, I'm stressed all the time, I don't sleep, I'm secreting cortisol, I'm overweight, I eat junk, I have no time for caring for myself. I know deep in my heart that this isn't who I am, that I was not put in, in this to do this. If we address that, our metabolic health improves, our cortisol levels drop, our inflammatory markers drop. May all beings be happy. May all beings be at peace. Then all beings will be free. So that's what we ought to do. We ought to turn this lens of what can I do out here? Ventilation and vaccination and masturbation and whatever Asian you want and turn it inside and go, what am I? Who am I? When we wake up that way, it won't matter. You'll just be like, okay, what is, is. I can only respond in the present. That's all there is. All right, I gotta go. Got like four texts from my family. Um, listen, I've only kind of touched on the meditation stuff in this one. If you wanna really um, hear me talk about it the day I got back to my supporters, that was just for supporters, but I can, I can share it with you. So email me, hello at zdogmd.com. Put meditation in the subject line. Otherwise I may not read your email because it's gotten crazy. And I will, I'll send you something, okay? All right, I think it's important, I do. I really do, it's the most important thing. All right. I love you guys so much.
We're all in this together. It's all going to be fine. No matter what, it's all going to be fine. All right. Until next time, we are out. Peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.